Encouraged, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow female artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom these women have to offer. Today I sit down with Isabel Canon and enjoy some smooth oat milk. Isabel is an actor, comedian, writer, content creator, and a woman I admire immensely. How have you found living primarily indoors these past few months? Um, At first, it was really, really tough. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I got the hang of it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just helpful to just go out just for the air of it all, you Mm -hmm. know? It, it's weird, but yeah, that's nice. Um, but it, I got to like learn more about myself, I guess, and just learned how to befriend myself. Mm. Yeah, I, I hope everyone learns to befriend themselves because it was a it was a cool experience. Oh. <laughs> God, yeah, I hope. I hope, selfishly, I was like, I hope I learn how to befriend myself. What's something you, like, learned that as a friend you need from yourself? Um, I learned that I need to, I need, I need sound of any Mm. kind. And sometimes I will not want to listen to music, um, but I'll want voices. And sometimes I will just want to talk to someone but someone is not there um so i will talk to myself or actually it's my um i have a stuffed animal here and i talk to him um but like obviously i don't talk back to myself as the (laughs) stuffed animal but it does help for me to just talk because uh i just realized that i don't have a voice in my head like other people uh, like they have like an internal monologue. I don't have that. So I have to speak to someone and it's not even myself. Like I can't be like, Hey, Izzy, what's up? It's not the same. I need to talk to someone. So I personified my stuffed animal and just talking to him is pretty great. What an incredible incredibly interesting thing to learn about yourself (laughs) did you know that before like that you didn't you didn't feel like you had a voice inside your head well I learned that pretty recently sometime this year it was like big on TikTok and then on YouTube and then (laughs) uh, so I was like well yeah I because people were so weirded out that some people didn't have voices in their heads and I was like wait wait what's the normal one and I guess there is no normal one but um yeah I'm one of those that just don't have it in my head and that's why I'm like such an extrovert and I like talking to people because I I, that's how I get my thoughts across but Mm. other than that I don't have any thoughts thoughts what a way to say it well do you find like when you're when you're doing creative projects and doing that felt like a weird verb to use but whatever when you're creating do you find it then easier to create like brainstorm in a group versus okay go home and write about write a bunch of ideas um I like brainstorming with a group but I also like going home and doing things myself but Mm -hmm. in when I do things myself uh I will be 
like let's say I'm writing, right? Mm -hmm. I can't just write and like, oh yeah, this is funny, great. No, I have to legit like <laughs> say the words and be that character, even though I know it's not me who's talking, so I will impersonate the other person. Uh, one time I had to like uh, write for a tall boy, so I was impersonating all of them. So I was like, I was being Franco <laughs> at one point, and then yeah. um, and then I was Tim at one point, and then and so. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a good Tim. Oh my god, I caught me off guard. <laughs> so I had to be them to fully get like, oh yeah, yeah, this is funny. This is great. Okay, good. <laughs> when you were a kid, did you grow up um like mimicking people? Or if you heard like an accent on TV, would you like say it back? I'm just picturing how you as a as a child, like what it what it must have been like or what it looked like to other people when you were like experiencing the world in this way um i wouldn't say it back like um like like some sort of student or parrot um i know my one friend he really loves accents and mm. i will hear him sometimes when we're talking to someone like some one time we went to new york and we were talking to this new yorker and then all of a sudden i hear him whispering he's like I'm like, what, what, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, sorry. I just, I find his accent so fascinating. I just had to repeat it. And I was like, whoa, all right. So he's repeating it on the spot right after, you know, he's heard it. Uh, I mm. didn't do that necessarily, but what would happen is I'd hear it on TV or something. And then, um, I don't know, something would pop up at home. My dad would be like, do you want the, these box? Uh, th this box of cookies and I'm like oh yes sir please one for me I don't know what <laughs> accent that was but like I'll just like impersonate I don't know whatever I've heard but <laughs> it'll just come out in little bits like that wow it's you know okay I, I guess I'm finding it so like interesting to ask you about because I think like I would like some of the voices in my head to be quiet uh, more often like I'm on the <laughs> other end where I'm like I have to actually often talk it out to I feel like there's like a town hall happening in my head all the time and I sometimes I just have to say it out loud to somebody so I can actually hear them all out <laughs> which is not I don't think it's helpful but uh, so it's just so interesting to be like wait what do you mean it's it's quiet and peaceful up there well, but it's quiet. I don't know if peaceful is the right sound because I <laughs> like talking to people. Uh, mm. So if there were like different voices in there, I'd be like, yeah, nice. Cool, cool, cool. Let's be friends. Um, that's why I learned how to befriend myself now because mm -hmm. I, I don't have anyone to talk to. But, well, I guess my stuffed animal. So. Oh. <laughs> did, you, did you give your stuffed animal a name? Yeah, his name's Baby Jabba because he kind of looks like Jabba the Hutt, but like a cute version. <laughs> little Baby Jabba. Oh, I love that. I think it is, it's like, it's such a thoughtful thing that you're saying though about like befriending yourself because even with the voices in my head, uh, I, that's definitely something that resonates with me through these last few months of like learning to, I mean, everyone's just having to learn how to just be with themselves. I'm learning I'm way more of a homebody than I thought. I love seeing people and interacting with people, but I'm realizing how much alone time I actually need and how little I was like putting into my schedule <laughs> in regular life before all this. Oh, well, that's good to know. So now you can yeah. just like uh, put that in there and put it on yeah, the Yeah, totally. Now I can be like, oh, I'm feeling a little anxious, probably because I haven't had 
an evening where I just hang out me and my dog in like a month. So maybe I should do that. So yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, silver linings, I guess, of what we're, what we're all grabbing <laughs> during oh, all sure, this. for sure, for yeah. sure. I think of you so highly. And <sighs> one thing that just always amazes me is how hardworking you are. And it, like in every facet of your career, you're just so damn hard working. Um, oh, thank and you. you. Yeah, like you just, you write, you perform on stage, on screen, you're creating content everywhere, it feels like. So something I was interested in is sort of when you're creating a character, where do you feel like you pull inspiration from? Uh, I do a lot of my family, especially my mom. Um, mm-hmm. Like she's such a character. Uh uh, so there's there's that. I, I think I draw a lot from people I know, to be honest. Mm. Um, I'll I'll just pick up on things that they do. So yeah, like my mom is one. She will talk like this, and then she will always say, "Oh, you know what? The person <laughs> in the salon said I was only forty years old. Can you imagine me forty? And she would always say that. So I'm like, that that's a character right there. So I have to mm. put that in. Um, and I have this one friend who's like, who was like, she kind of talks like this. And she kind of talks really fast and she, she's such a nerd about things. Uh, so like, yeah. So when, when people are like that, I, I just love being them. And, and the fact that I know them too, it, it, it's already like half the work is already done. You know, mm, <laughs> I yeah. just draw from their life experiences. <laughs> Well, and what about, too, if you're given a character, like, let's say somebody else is writing a script and you are cast in that character, are you sort of looking for similarities between that character and people in your life? Are you pulling from the same inspirations, do you think? Yes. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Either people in my life and just, like, people, I mean, people in me. (laughs) What I mean by (laughs) that is, like, my life experiences, because I mean when I was younger is different from me now. Uh, and I, I remember I had to do like a 16 year old and I remember like I don't talk like I didn't talk like this when I was 16 but uh, I, I do remember like I talked a little bit more up here uh, my voice was higher uh, and so like <laughs> I would just go back to that uh, time of my life and be that character mm. yeah <laughs> wow when you say it I can totally when you're saying these things, I can totally identify like, oh yeah, that's probably also how I would have spoken as a teenager. Like I would have spoke higher up or I would have spoke quicker, although I speak a little too quickly now anyway. But, you know, so I think it takes a certain amount of being able to be like reflective or objective about people or experiences in order to even see those things. If that Does that yes. make sense? Yeah. Yes. No, for sure. Um, self-reflection and just like being reflective, I think is, is, uh, something that I was gifted with. Um, mm. I remember I was at a party one day and people were talking and I was just like reading a water bottle or something. And then this person comes <laughs> up to me and is like, uh, you know, what drew me to talk to you right now. <laughs> I'm like, what, what? And he was like, that everyone's like having fun and all that and you're reading this water bottle I'm like yeah but did you know this water bottle uh has like I don't know two percent vitamin c it's it claims how is that possible in this water and he's like (laughs) all right um but in that moment I also recognize like how funny of a situation that was and Mm. I remember um me and an ex before uh, my ex was also an actor and when we fought 
and uh, we would be feeling very like vulnerable and we were crying. I remember a couple of our fights, I'd be like, okay, hold on. I'm just keying this emotion because I know I'm going to need it next time. (laughs) And then he was also like, yeah, good call. And then we just like take a moment to like, see what's going on in our bodies, what what is happening, um, you know, feel that. And then we're like, all right. And then we move on and fight again. But I remember doing that constantly. <laughs> and I think I still do that. I kind of take myself out of the situation and just like view it from like uh, from a ghost point of view, to be honest. Uh, mm. And I like I like meditation too. something that I've discovered recently. And I think that's why I like it so much because I didn't realize that I was already kind of doing that, but just taking it more into like a disciplined aspect. How coincidental that you and this partner both in that moment saw that situation the same way to be like, yeah, we should clock how to feel this so that in a script, if we have to do this, we remember this feeling like, oh, you both were like, yeah, good call. Good call. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Some people don't like dating other actors. But that's like one of the perks, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both of you get to rehearse, even though there's no rehearsal going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh, well, actually, okay, this is the perfect time. You, um, I read an interview that you did, and there's a quote that I wanted to ask you about, and it's sort of about this. Um, so in an interview, uh, it said, quote, I remember... Oh, no. Yeah, this was you. My hands are so sweaty right now. Isabel, I'm so nervous. Okay. Reading, reading on recording makes me so... I'm learning this new thing about myself. When I have to read other people's words, I so badly want to respect them that I just melt and I don't remember how to read. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> crack, crack my back or whatever I'm going to do. Here we go. Okay. In an interview, you said, quote... I remember one of our teachers at Seneca would always say, you're not a working actor if you're not working. And I really took that to heart. I think a lot of actors struggle with when do you actually start labeling yourself as an actor? Because for the first parts of this industry, you'll be doing things for free or for little money. So it's that whole thing of when do you become professional? And I wanted to ask you, when in your career did you start considering yourself and calling yourself an actor? Um, when I was getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) So was it like the first paid job or was it once it was consistently getting paid? You know what? No, it wasn't the first paid job, but it, okay. It was actually like after I graduated, um, I got an agent and I, I was, um, consistently getting work. And even if the work wasn't paid sometimes, but, um, I had those three, but, but I would have been paid at that point already for some work that I've done. Um, so Mm. at that point, I think because like I'm, I'm graduated, so I'm, I'm already, I'm in the work field now. Cause I, I, I was still an actor, Mm. um, in school. Like I did act, um, but I feel like, uh, after that was when I told myself, okay, now I'm an actor. I, I don't know. I feel like that's how it is also for, I don't know, some some jobs. Like They're not an engineer until after they're done school and they get the job, right? So I feel mm-hmm. like that was the same um, click in my head. Like, okay, I'm done school. I have an agent. I'm booking work. Now I'm an actor. Yeah. Well, and what about in those 
times between acting jobs, like, you know, if a contract finishes and there's sort of a lull in between, how do you sort of keep yourself feeling like I'm still an actor or like feeling good in between jobs, I guess? Well, no, knowing that, okay, in the beginning, it's Mm -hmm. really tough. In the beginning, after every contract, it's like, well, the world is the end right now. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know when I'll get a job again, mm-hmm. if I will, stuff like that. So it was tough. Um, but what I learned was to make my own things. I learned to either, you know, uh, have classes, do classes, or write my own material, record myself, rehearse on my own, do things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was still actively an actor. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, as, as time flew by and the pattern was always the same of, I would get a contract, contract would end. Then eventually I would get another contract, contract would end. And I saw the pattern and it was pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think I just had to learn to trust myself that work will come. And it always has. It always has. Because I also know myself, I'm not going to allow the work to not come. Whether that be from somewhere else or someone else, a company out there, or from me myself. Mm-hmm. I like working, so if it's not from them, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And And did you start creating yourself out of that sort of space? Or how did you start sort of writing... Um, writing sketch and and creating stuff on your own? Well, I was, it was during one of those points, actually, when mm-hmm. I was an actor, I, um, I did some theater work. Um, but, you know, the theater world still isn't as great as could be of like hiring people of color, women of color. So I realized, hmm, this, this isn't, how am I gonna how am I going to work now? And Mm -hmm. I was getting a lull of not getting anything. Um, And I remember one of the, one of the quotes, I don't know, (laughs) like, oh no, that's it. My teacher told me before, like one of the things they told me was you can find the comedy in anything. And I do, I really enjoy comedy. So I wanted to get into some kind of writing. Okay. to, To do my own work. So now, mm-hmm. now the question was, what kind of writing am I going to do? Am I going to be a playwright? Am I going to be a sketch, write, a sketch writer? Am I going to do pilots for things? And the baseline was I, I saw, um, I entered the improv community, um, mm-hmm. saw it, liked it, loved it, and thought, okay, I think that I will start my writing here. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so we actually met through improv. Um, yes, doing the conservatory program together, and my hands are gonna get sweaty. Okay, because I'm getting nervous. I'm gonna. I want to admit something to you that I realized because I knew I was gonna be talking to you. So years ago, you approached me and asked, and it was it was during this time when like, um, I guess it was within the first couple years of us meeting and performing together. Um, you had asked me if I wanted to start performing improv together as a duo, like just you and I. And I felt so lovely that you would ask me. And I also immediately felt this like pressure and nerves. And so I just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I just like stuffed it down and I ignored it and I never followed up on it. And I've been thinking back on this, wondering why, like why I would never follow up with you about it. Cause I have always adored you. 
And I realized now looking back that I saw myself as someone who like didn't take creative risks. And I just assumed that you would get really bored of performing with me or that I would disappoint you in some way. So I just let it go. Like I just saw you as a risk taker and I always admired that. And I just figured like, I just immediately categorized myself as inferior to you and then wrote myself off as like not worth performing with. Oh my gosh. I I don't even know where to start with that. I asked you because I really wanted you. You were, you were like so down to earth, so cool, but also funny. And I really wanted, yeah, I really, I really just wanted to work with you. (laughs) I I wish I knew I wish I would have realized then what was happening and why I wasn't like at the time I just thought like, Oh, that's nice. And then I just thought, well, if she really wants to like, she'll follow up. It might've just been something she said that was nice. And now I'm like, no, Isabel is not going to ask me. to do this. <laughs> uh, no, Isabel's not going to ask me to do this unless she wants to. So uh, at the time I just thought, well, no, you know what it was probably just something nice. She said, and I'll just let it go. And I'm real. I j- anyway, I, hindsight's 2020. I re I wish I would have realized in the moment. And I've thought about it often over the years of like, why did I never pursue that? Like, because I love performing with you. Anyway, when I realized why it was, I was like, I have to share this with her. Cause this is like, this was like clearly beyond like negative self-talk and it was all me doing oh, this. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It, 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 I'm sorry to say, but yes, it was all you because I did not <laughs> feel that at all. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it was not me it was you well, that's- <laughs> but I just have always always admired how gutsy you are and you just what's your relationship like with failure or like bombing on stage uh it's tough it's tough at first especially mm. uh yeah you just gotta do it I don't know i I'm an immigrant so there were times when I, I, I felt like I bombed in life already. I would talk to mm. people um, trying to assimilate to Canadian culture and then they'd pick up an accent and I'm like, all right, I'm not doing well. So I'd consider that a bomb. Um, uh, there, were, um, there were Philippine sayings that are not said here that mm. I, I would accidentally say like, uh, oh yeah, don't forget to bring your rubber shoes. And everyone's like, what? And I was like, uh, I, I mean, run, running shoes. Cause like, that's a thing in the Philippines. We call it rubber shoes. Mm. And people were like, what? Um, so that was a bomb, you know? Um, so I feel like uh, because I've bombed already in life so many times. Oh, also like when I first arrived here, I did not know how slippery the ice would really get during winter time. So I would just trip and fall constantly. <gasps> <laughs> Oh, that sounds so dangerous. I'm like, oh no. It's okay. I stretched every day. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I feel like I'd bomb. Um, so, when doing that on stage, yeah, it would suck at first, too. But I realized that the thing that sucked wasn't that wasn't that I bombed and it wasn't that, oh, these people don't like me. The thing that sucked after was me knowing that that was going to be the last of it. If you end your career in with a bomb, you're not doing it right. So mm. you have to co- go back and then kill it next time. And then maybe the next time you're going to bomb again, but always end with a kill it. But, but mm. the good thing is when you do kill it, you get that high and you're like, I can do this again. 
So, <laughs> so you just keep going. <laughs> so nothing is career ending. Everything is motivating to like the next, the next opportunity. Yeah. That's how I like to think of it. That's why I haven't yeah. stopped yet, but <laughs> that's a very motivating like way to think about it. I'm going to take that. I I'm so, I will have to say, I will have to say, I do have to say <laughs> that all this time spending indoors, I'm, I'm feeling less worried about, you know, failure or what people think or all the, I mean, part of it's like, what does it matter? I'm living alone in my apartment. Like nobody exists anyway. Like it's so strange anyway. It's such a bubble to live in. But um, I think still I hate failing in front of people. And I, I hadn't thought about until you were just speaking, like, I don't know what failure means to me or like, or I don't know you know, you had explained like, oh, my accent came out. Okay, that's a bomb. And I mean, fuck, that breaks my heart to think a, a reveal of a part of you could ever be felt like a bomb, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you have to think about it too. Like when we're performing, that's why it, mm-hmm. it, it sucks also because we feel embarrassed after because it is a part of us that we're showing. Um, mm-hmm. There's this misconception that actors you know, they're being fake, they're being someone Mm -hmm. else. But that's not true. When we show when we're up there, and we show you what we've got, this is us, we are showing you the most vulnerable parts of us. Mm -hmm. And and so if, if we bomb in that, we're, we're getting rejected, it's us, like our personality, like we feel rejected. And, and honestly, yes, that is probably it. They reject us in that moment. But, Mm -hmm. you know, just like everything else, that's not, that's not what rejection should um like end like you shouldn't mm-hmm. yeah i already said my speech <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're totally right you're totally right it's you're right that you're revealing you know parts of it. i think also the um sort of contradiction in it is that i'm always i always get this message or i've always interpreted it as the more vulnerable or the more you're willing to reveal about yourself the better your art will be but also that's like less less and less safe because like oh those rejections are gonna hurt more and more if I really show you if I'm really honest about parts of me or you know speaking these certain truths that really you know hit home that's gonna be difficult if you reject it yes and this is very true that's why for the longest time I would not do a Filipino accent um Mm -hmm. And then now I, I, I want to do it because I want the world to recognize the Filipino accent. And at mm-hmm. first that was very, very difficult for me because it, it was something that I didn't want to show uh, at, just in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finally learned point of view and, and how like my experiences will help me. And then I started putting them in my sketches and I started putting the people in my lives in my sketches, in my lives, like I had multiple lives. Um, <laughs> well, your <laughs> life and little yeah, baby my... Java's life, you know. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I started doing that was, I think when I really started <laughs> excelling. Hmm. Oh, that that makes my heart feel so hopeful and also so scared that I'm like, okay, you just got to do that. And then you will start feeling better. (laughs) Ah, 
I don't want to yet. No, but I have to. I have to. Um, <laughs> well, Isabel here was recognized as one of RBC's top 25 Canadian immigrants for uh, your work as an actor and as an advocate for better representation of queer immigrant people of color in the media. Mm-hmm. And in an interview you did, uh, you shared that, uh, quote, the most challenging part about advocating for better representation is that people in the industry don't quite understand what that means, end quote. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think they're missing? I feel like that's a big question and maybe very unfair. So please mm. tell me if it's like, no. But what do you feel like is that the, that piece or pieces that they're missing in understanding? Well, I think the biggest piece is um, the writers, directors, all of this, they, they all are coming from one point of view, right? And mm-hmm. if they're writing for, let's say, a queer person and they are not queer, mm-hmm. how is that going to be believable to the audience? Even, mm-hmm. even if you hire a real queer person, but you're telling the queer person to say these words, words that you wrote and you are not queer, how is that going to be beneficial? It's not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think representation is not only with the actors that you hire, but with the stories you tell. Um, Not to say that if you're not, you can't write if you are not that... um, either like race or uh, or gender or something um like sexuality not to say that you can't but do your research and have consultants that's Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing um in the industry it's so like oh i need to do this myself um you know and blah 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 but like that's that's not the case uh if, if you're selling this to like this big company like i don't know nbc fox or something they're gonna have money to throw at you so don't (laughs) just throw it at yourself throw it also at consultants so that it Mm -hmm. it will be better representation you know what i mean throw Mm -hmm. it at other writers as well who can help you Mm -hmm. because there are um it's not just like one writer anymore there are writing consultants and stuff and it's not negating your credibility by doing that I think people mm-hmm. are scared to ask for help, but it can only elevate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was thinking about um, this script that I am writing with a friend and the two leads are queer and he identifies as queer. And in the beginning, I very much in the beginning of writing the project was like, no, I feel straight up imposter because I shouldn't be writing for a queer character. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that feeling of, of being an imposter, that's actually a good thing because mm-hmm. you are recognizing that you are writing something that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's very, that's good. That's self-awareness. And once you realize that, um, now you, you get to choose of what you, what you do next. Do you continue mm-hmm. in this path of being an imposter and writing for someone that you know, you know nothing of about mm-hmm. that kind of life? Or do you do something about it and you get um, other writers, you get other people to uh, for as consultants and stuff like that, so. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, once you started creating your own content and writing um, 
like, you know, maybe during conservatory or um, like in Skechersons or with Tita Collective, once you started creating your own characters, was it hard to continue like with other acting jobs where other people were writing for you? Did it feel restrictive at all? Mm, um, it would and it wouldn't. Uh, mm. Now, it would when they were writing. So again, it's this talk of representation. If mm. they're writing about a Filipina woman and then, but know nothing about that life and I would have to do this, it, it felt off. And mm -hmm. I, I would give, you know, my two cents of like, mm, they wouldn't say it like this. They didn't say it like this. So that those kind of help. Um, and I think also I've evolved um, before when I just graduated, I just wanted to be an actor. I didn't even think of writing. I just wanted to be an actor. I think I've evolved from then. Um, now I... I'm a writer. I, I direct sometimes. I am a content creator. I, I write clearly. Um, so I am more than just one thing now. So I treat the ones where I am just an actor as my acting jobs. And that's fine mm. with me. But mm -hmm. I do feel um, uh, like a part of me is missing when all I do is just acting. So um, while I am acting in in things, I am constantly writing in my free time to balance that out. Mm. To fulfill to fulfill that part of you. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're just so freaking good at it. And I just also it just it's you seem to emanate like joy when you're performing in those ways. So I feel like when you're creating content for yourself, like sky's the limit. And then when other people, you know, when it's an acting job, of course, you're having to, you know, as an actor, we're like, getting to express ourselves, but also sort of fulfilling the directors, well, not sort of fulfilling the directors, you know, goal in the project. So sometimes yeah. that can feel not as like creatively free, I guess. Yeah, but there is there is a, a different kind of creative feeling that I get with acting for sure. Mm -hmm. Because it, it it's amazing to have someone write something and you bring it to life without without having their experiences, without knowing what this is about. Mm -hmm. it, it is it's like getting to know someone for the very first time whereas mm. if I am content creating I've already this is my childhood friend already mm -hmm. so that's the difference but hey like hanging out with a childhood friend versus meeting people for the first time for me I love both no oh, <laughs> your brain is so wonderful oh uh, thank you I had <laughs> I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it like that but you know like when I am writing something for myself, I feel like I'm getting to play with the parts of myself that I enjoy. But when you just describe that, it's like, oh yeah, but when I'm getting to act for, for um, when I'm getting to act as a character that's written by somebody else, I'm getting to experience and learn about parts of myself that I don't usually attend to, or maybe I didn't even know were there. Like I'm getting to learn new parts of myself and be a friend with myself, like you said, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, and there is nothing like, there is so much bullshit in this industry. And I don't like to like 
sit and just complain about a bunch of stuff. But just objectively, there's a bunch of bullshit that comes along with being an actor. Yep. But I think that the experience of really like settling into a character and getting to explore and play with parts of you, it is like, it's an experience like nothing else. And I think it just, like you said, the bombing like motivates you. Like, I think that motivates me to every next acting job, no matter how sporadically far apart they are. It just helps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of uh, creating your own content, I know I, I sort of already name dropped, but uh, the Tita Collective. Can you uh, tell the almost said viewers? Can you tell the listeners what the Tita Collective is? Uh, the Tita Collective are uh, six multidisciplinary Filipino artists. Um, we create sketch. We create songs. We perform live and film stuff um, that speak to the Filipino diaspora. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I ended with a uh, like a <laughs> diaspora. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> and how how did the members of the Tita Collective come together and solidify that you were going to create the Tita Collective? How was it birthed? Well, some of us um, have met through. Most of us have met through this um, uh, this theater company, this f- Filipino theater company in Toronto. Um, and we did, we wrote, we were in a playwriting unit together. And so we wrote and performed in it, in a play called Anak, which means child. Um, and it was a, it was a drama. Um, and the women in it, we all really clicked. Now, some of us were the performers. Some of us were also the crew. Like, um, one of us was, was our, um, stage manager um but after the show we all would just hang out and while we were hanging out we would have like little you know tita isms that we do and tita is uh it means ant in filipino or tagalog and um it's it's this like you know like how do you impersonate your aunt right and sometimes we realize like when we're hanging out that we have these like tita isms that we do and we're like oh my gosh I'm the tita ah um, <laughs> and then as we started talking more and more about our titas we realized oh my gosh our titas are great why is there such a negative connotation to being a tita you know like once you're an aunt it's like oh no you're seen as like old and something but we're like mm. nah our our titas were great. So we kind of like took the name back um, <laughs> and made ourselves the Tita Collective. But also, um, so during our hangouts, we would just talk about what we'd want in our careers, in our lives, um, in the media. And we all realized that we all wanted the same things. And so mm-hmm. instead of, you know, individually trying to get that from somewhere else, why not collectively do that? And that's what we did. Fuck yeah, totally. <laughs> do you, um, in those conversations, when you noticed that you were like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm becoming my Tita. Was there an aunt specifically that you were thinking you were becoming? Well, my mom, uh, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> my, <laughs> my mom for sure. Um, and then I had this great aunt, um, she passed away, but she is, she was pretty much our second mom, um, Hmm. 
but she she was very she she was she, because she was the great aunt she was like a lot older so mm. she was more the the passive aggressive kind of kind <laughs> of aunt and was like oh you're going to do that okay I'm fine. I am 100% on board with that. And then do something that is not 100% on board with that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Totally. Whereas my mom is more of the, uh, the <laughs> she's like, she's like a desperate housewife, but from the Philippines, like she'd have her friends and they're all, they all live this like lavish lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> whereas my, my great aunt was more of the, you know, I, I need to garden. I don't know. <laughs> Whereas my mom never gardened, I don't think, in her life. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Oh. Um, well, when I saw uh, Tita Jokes at mm-hmm. Toronto Fringe, you played the character of Tita Boy. Yes. And uh, can you describe who Tita Boy is a little bit for the listeners? Uh, so for Tita Jokes, we kind of leaned to Tita... Uh, characters uh, and tied in with the Spice Girls. So there was Tita Ginger who cooked because Ginger like like the food. Um, <laughs> there was there was Tita Baby, the youngest of the group. Tita Posh, who is um, you know the the posh Tita. It's pretty self-explanatory. The uh, Tita Scary, who is the scary Tita. And there was me, who's supposed to be the sporty Tita, but we call her Tita Boy. Why? Because <laughs> in the Philippines, um, uh, usually the the Titas that are queer um, or lesbian or, um, yeah, basically they don't identify as heterosexual. Uh, they would be identified as Tita Boy and they would introduce themselves as Tita Boy. Um, mm. Even if... Um, uh, they don't consider themselves trans male. Some of them do, some of them don't. But for some reason, it's just known as Tita Boy. So some of my aunts back in the day, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know their actual names and I just call them Tita Boy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, so so is the term, does the term have a negative connotation or can it also have like a positive connotation if you're calling your aunt? Like, I guess, yeah, How how is the term... Can the term be used with multiple meanings? Yes. So the term okay. can be either negative or positive. So obviously it's mm. positive if if they if they themselves they uh, you know that maybe they're gender fluid and so Tita Boy is like a perfect amalgamation of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but but sometimes it can be negative because we do have those Titas that are let's say lisp, uh, lipstick lesbians and <laughs> yet because they are with a woman people will so they will either say this is tita boy and and just like endow them to be um a Mm. butch lesbian even though they Mm. are not um or they are confused is is the story Mm. so what was it like for you then to create that that character and play that character oh it was tough um Mm. we we had the idea of putting it because like, it's such a well-known thing in our culture, Tita boy, Mm -hmm. we could not, not put her in. Mm -hmm. So now that she's in, um, (laughs) the first thing I wrote, (laughs) the first thing I wrote about her was something so short. And um, when I pitched it um, to the collective, they were like, this is really good, but it's so short. We, Mm -hmm. we want to hear more from her. And I'm like, 
oh yeah sure uh, mm-hmm. but I just felt like uh like well, who would want to listen to this you know I mm-hmm. at that time I still wasn't um like confident in and we there were a lot of things that we weren't confident in that we put up uh we were you know talking about Tita Boy we were making fun of the current president of the Philippines. So there were some mm-hmm. things that were tricky to put up, but we did anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was for the best. Uh, everybody loved it in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, now there's like, there's a whole thing that's going on in the Philippines right now. There's this anti-terrorism bill that if you talk bad about the president, you might be considered a terrorist. So our creative freedom is now you know, being put to the test. So there's a little bit of that aspect nowadays. So that's going to be interesting moving forward. Wow. Yeah. D- does it, would you feel differently about going to visit family there now after this, this bill? Um, Going there, not necessarily because uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like I, I didn't have a, a public f- forum over there to speak badly about the president. Right, right, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Whereas here I do. Um, mm-hmm. But what is different is that moving forward, because we all have family there. And so our family could get penalized for what we are doing here. So mm-hmm. we need to have that conversation once the bill passes or something. So, yeah, it. it it's new. It's, it's new to have this dilemma. So, mm-hmm. and what was the experience like playing that character here in front of like peers and family and friends? And yeah, what was, I guess before that, before that show, had you openly identified as queer in the acting community? Um, I did. I don't know if anyone took me seriously though. <laughs> Wait, why do you say that? Because um, there's this stigma of, of queerness and if you are, because uh, I identify as female and I mm-hmm. was at the time with a straight white male. So mm-hmm. there was that thing of, okay, she's queer, but like, eh. mm-hmm. which sucks because that's not how sexuality is. Uh, mm-hmm. You, It's not like I am just queer right now that I have a girlfriend. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, so, yeah, I don't really know uh, how, how, yeah, how my queerness was really taken. Because um, I have heard that thing of like, yeah, yeah, sure, you're queer. But I, I've heard that statement. So. Re- wow, about, people yeah. like just dismissal, like just full on like, oh, yeah, OK, you're not actually queer. Well, they would say, yeah, you're queer, but but right now you're with a guy. So let's talk about that and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. (laughs) Also my thought right away is like, ew, I don't want to talk to you about who I'm romantically involved in right now. If you just like (laughs) fully erased a part of me based on this one individual I happen to be in love with right now. Like, ew, I'm not going to talk to you about my love life now. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So that was, that was difficult to navigate. But then once, um, I think it was because I created Tita Boy that people started recognizing that I actually am queer. Watching you play Tita Boy was the first time. I mean, and 
and we hadn't had any conversations prior to that, but was the first time where I was like, oh, maybe Isabel's queer. Cool. I would love to talk to her about that one day. Yeah, well, just know from now on, if you have any questions, <laughs> if you want to just chat, I am here, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm just going to text and call you off recording. Yeah. Why has that not happened yet? No. <laughs> no. You know, it's funny. I'll look back and I'll be like, we have all been alone in our apartment. I mean, I am fully, I'm fully generalizing right now. We have all been in our apartments there are so many people I could talk to every day why am I not reaching out to anybody you know (laughs) yeah no and you know what it is that thing of like uh you know I mean you and I we we talk and we're friendly with each other and I love you but like we're not exactly close close right like yeah yeah. so I think there's that thing of like oh is it weird if I call them right now because we're not close (laughs) There's that hump you have to, there's like the beginning, like you meet somebody and then you're like, oh, I know enough about this person that they seem lovely and I feel safe and I would want to like move into being close friends. And then there's that weird hill that you just don't quite know if you should like walk up the hill and be like, do you want to hang out? Like you, yeah, yeah, no, it's (laughs) a, it's so fair. And I think there's, uh, I, I, I think that's why also a lot of my friends who end up becoming close friends are the ones that I've worked with multiple times because we yeah. were just forced to be together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can save some face because it's not you always asking to hang out. You just like, well, we have to rehearse seven times a week. So like, <laughs> I guess we're hanging out every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I just have to say that Tita Boy was like a creative gift to give as like from an audience member perspective. I so enjoyed watching you play that character. I loved the whole show and maybe I'm biased because I adore you, but I just, oh, it was such a, a piece of shining light in, in, in an already wonderful show. But I just, I loved Tita Boy. I hope I see more of Tita Boy or, <laughs> or Tita Boy will exist in this beautiful little memory bubble. Uh, love, love, yeah. love. <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yes thank you so much I mean so like a lot <laughs> oh yeah oh no I it meant a lot to me too um I also want to ask you about Isabel you're like a freaking celebrity on TikTok now uh, uh, sure <laughs> now I'm saying now as if you like just started last month but um so and I don't understand TikTok so I want to ask you okay yeah. not that I don't that's a dumb thing to say but what what attracted you to TikTok like what do you what do you what do you like about it what I like about it is that I just get to create content and not care uh so uh in on Instagram you know everything has to look pretty you know it's like you you take pictures and yeah sure they're the candid photos that you take but they don't look that great sometimes you know what I mean like it's blurry mm-hmm. right um <laughs> you know what I mean it's blurry okay yeah. blurry as hell and I hate it yeah, yeah well, <laughs> if there's a blurry photo on Instagram I will just like scroll past it you know yeah but if yeah, there's absolutely. something that's like beautifully shot I'd oh yeah I'd like that you know I, I want to create my own stuff and then YouTube was there but it was like such a long process of okay I have to film then edit this and from my camera mm-hmm. and then now here and it, this is a whole process Twitter is just like all, you know, just your writing, but 
I like performing my writing. So mm. TikTok was all of that. Now, um, you can be quote unquote blurry that <laughs> it looks bad, <laughs> but it does, it doesn't mean that it's a bad TikTok because if the content in it is still good, then it's still a good TikTok. There are some times when the content is not that great. I'm just like, you know, it's not that funny, but it looks good. It will still create something. Um, and the fact that I do like writing what I do, like performing what I write. TikTok mm -hmm. was that. And it's just easy as opposed to YouTube where I have to do this and that and this and that on TikTok. I film it. I edit it on the app and then boom, sent it's to the public. I do. I do love the accessibility part of it that like, especially right now when so many people are sort of stuck inside or it's them and like one other person, it is kind of wonderful that you can like, all right, I have this idea and I'm going to film it today. I'm going to post it today and it's done. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Um, mm -hmm. I would be out in rehearsals, but then, you know, rehearsal and then the show would be like a month later, but during rehearsal, you know, there's that, I need that creative outlet of just putting something out into the world. So mm -hmm. it was very useful for that. Yeah. Well, and how often in this industry do you have something that gives you um, sort of like immediate gratification, but I don't mean in the negative sense. I mean, in that you don't, you know, when you film something, like you said, if, if you're doing something on stage, you're waiting like a month, let's say, if you film something, I mean, often you'll film something and you don't see it for another like six months year sometimes yeah yeah so yeah I mean that aspect of it is so yeah. nice I have to say yeah too. I mean even with the podcast something that was so exciting to me was just having the whole project in my hands like I get to creatively explore this thing all myself yes that is also one thing because um you know I've been in writers rooms and and in collectives and all these groups and troops. Um, and I have also like done stand up on my own, but uh, it, it's a different, it's something different from what I want to do. And uh, mm -hmm. I think TikTok was like a great way to just do that. Mm -hmm. When you are doing a ton of projects, like let's say you're really busy, whether it's with work or with life, what do you do when you're feeling depleted to like, re-energize yourself or refuel yourself uh the best thing for me is to see my family oh that's <laughs> such a nice answer oh. but the problem is like now they're in the philippines they're quarantined mm -hmm. they're all of them are there so i don't have that luxury to be with them mm -hmm. um <laughs> so but i it, I am an extrovert, so I refuel by being with other people. Mm. Um, so, but to me, I feel the most myself with my family. And it, there's just something about, they, they are my muses. And so when I go back to them, it refuels of like, oh yeah, I can do this, I can do that. <laughs> and... But but there is a certain different thing that happens when I'm with my friends, um, which is still good, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't refuel me the same way. I think because like when I'm with my family, it reminds me, oh yeah, 
I am not just an actor. I am also a sister, a daughter. So when that happens, I, I'm like, oh, yes. So now I can draw from these things again. Whereas, I, as I told you, my friends are usually my co-workers. So sometimes we'll be hanging out, but we will still be talking about work. And instead of refueling me, it'll further deplete me. Mm-hmm. So I think just being with people who are not in the industry, talking to them really helps me a lot. Uh, but also just like sleeping. yeah yeah, honestly when I was um with uh I had an ex and I lived with them and I they couldn't grasp what was happening because I would be out like from 8 a.m to like midnight um for a week straight and then the next week I would like just sleep the entire week pretty much Mm. And they didn't understand that that's how I refuel. Um, but yeah. to them, you're like, oh, you're being lazy this week. And it's like, no, 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 no. Have you, did you see what I did last week? You can't. Yeah. Anyway, that relationship did not work out. Um, but uh, <laughs> 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 so again, that's kind of self-awareness, right? So just mm-hmm. being aware with what you need. And that's what I need. I need sleep and family. <laughs> oh, that, oh. What was, I've realized that I often see the parts of my life that don't have to do with my career as distractions that I'm supposed to like not fall into temptation or something. Yeah. I used to feel that way too. Yeah. Yeah. And the way you're speaking about it immediately resonates. Like it's like, it's like my heart knew that that was the, that was the answer, but my brain all the time was like, no, no, no. Uh, do you pay your bills yet with acting? Then no, you can't go to the cottage with your friends who aren't in the industry because no work talk will be happening and you won't be furthering your career, which is like, so I don't know how I'm thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to ever refuel, but what made you shift from that thinking to the thinking that you have now? There was a time when I was really burnt out and I was going from one gig to the other, to the other, to the other. And then my Mm -hmm. partner at the time was also, um, my writing partner and then my friends were my my co-workers you know like Ugh. so ev- and at that time my family was in the Philippines again so mm-hmm. during this time I had no outlet and I sleep wasn't really a thing also because it was just go 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 mm-hmm. um, and I was really really burnt out and it just made me think why am I so burnt out mm-hmm. I, 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 I love doing this stuff but what what is going on? And I, when I realized that I was burnt out, especially when writing, when I was like, I don't even know what to write anymore. And that's mm. totally fair because what the hell do I write about? Because I wasn't doing anything. I was just doing work. And no one wants to, to watch a, <laughs> about an actor being an actor, being an actor, being an actor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, totally. So once I was, I was like, um, so I burnt out. And that's when I like, I went to the Philippines uh, at that, uh, you know, I told people, yeah, I'm going there for vacation, but no, it was a breakdown. I, I needed to go there and I didn't, I didn't go to like the beaches and all that. No, I, I was just with my family in this little condo apartment and I would just like talk to them, chill with them 
and that was me healing. And I would like also, cause at that time my allergies were acting up and all these things. So I would go to the doctor. Uh, so it really was like a healing moment, even though I tell people that it was a vacation because I didn't know <laughs> that it was a breakdown, but now I'm comfortable saying like, yes, I broke down. Um, once that happened and once, you know, I was there and my happiness and my energy started to pick back up and I clocked that again. And I was like, okay, why, why is it working now? Oh, right. Because I have things to draw from again. Mm. I, I just clued in that when you said your family is in the Philippines, I missed the is and just thought you were talking about your family members that still live in the Philippines. And I just realized you're saying, or are you saying that the family that yeah, yep, lives my immediate here, family, yeah, yes. <gasps> they're oh, if you oh, listen, listen, <laughs> yes, okay, yes. <laughs> okay, this is a fully different response. Listen, if Baby Yoda is ever sleeping or Baby something, Java, Baby Yoda Baby is what from did I just show. say? Oh, Baby Yoda! <laughs> oh, my friend is obsessed with Baby Yoda, and I can see clearly why. <laughs> he's yeah, oh, so cute. Okay, but if Baby Java is ever sleeping or needs a break or whatever is not available you please call me oh my gosh I just realized what you had said and like (laughs) yes I would love that yes because well and I'm sure right now it's sort of like unknown timeline when they can come back yes yes that is the biggest thing right now yeah because they were supposed to come back because I had to leave the Philippines Mm -hmm. for to come back here to work uh, I had a gig and then they were supposed to come back in around March and this <gasps> happened. They were supposed to that, since March. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So they've been stuck there and we don't know when they're going to come back here. Oh, it's interesting. How are, how are they doing mentally and, and health wise and how's everyone doing? They seem pretty great. Uh, yeah. honestly, um, and I would call them every now and then be like, all right, did you exercise today? Especially my dad oh. and my mom, because they're kind of, you know, um, they're like, oh, I'm old. And I'm like, yeah, but you still have to exercise. Uh, so <laughs> I could tell they're missing me so much too. And oh. it, and my dad was like, it sucks. It sucks because this time you are not working and you are not here. And I'm like, I know, I know. Oh, it's like all this well, I, don't, I mean, through all this, I'm constantly anxious about all this time that I'm losing, like the babies in my life are growing up and I'm not, I'm not there. Are they going to forget me or I'm not, you know, I had, I had a family member or two family members pass away during all this. And I'm like, okay, there, it's just, I, I, I mean, I don't want to pretend to, or I don't want to, I don't want to act like I know what you're going through, but just the idea of losing time with the people that you love is very real right now. When yes. You feel, when you're stuck, literally stuck. In, yes. In, yeah. And my, my problem is because they are my recharging pod. Um, yeah. And especially when all this started and I'm, I'm an empath. So I felt the world's grief. I, I felt it so hard and I couldn't even recharge with them. So that was very difficult. And that's why learning to befriend myself was a journey. And I'm glad I did it, but you know, I'm still missing them though. <laughs> of course, of course. Oh my goodness. Well, now I understand why little baby Jabba was born. Yeah. Now I get it. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, 
what was your family's reaction or response to the Tita Collective or to Tita jokes? Huh. Okay. Well, there is this thing um, in the Filipino community that happens when they leave the Philippines and, you know, the, the motto is like assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. Um, so when I first got here, there was that talk of, okay, don't tell people you're Filipino, uh, tell them you're mixed, which I am mixed, but identify as a Filipino because I was born and raised there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's interesting that coming from my family of like, don't tell people you're Filipino, you know, uh, so cool. So when this finally came about that, Hey, there's a show that we wrote and it's, and you know, the first thing, and I, I said, it's with, it's called teacher jokes. And they're like, Oh, so is it Filipino? And I'm like, yes. Um, mm-hmm. but, but please watch it because it deals with exactly this kind of mentality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like why we created the show in the first place, because we were, we were done with hiding ourselves uh, we wanted to celebrate our culture instead of keeping it in the dark. And once they watched it, they they did feel like really happy. They none of my family members has ever seen like the full production of Tita Jokes because they've all been in the Philippines when it's happened, mm-hmm. except for my younger brother. And mm-hmm. you know, he's like one of those too cool for school kind of people but I could tell that he liked it he was like grinning from ear to ear after um and I could tell I think he said too like uh, that he was proud and I was like oh (laughs) having your younger brother say he's proud of you oh I could cry oh maybe I'm just picturing my younger brother I would just cry there are so many times now that my younger brothers because I have two younger brothers Mm -hmm. and they've been talking to me about stuff and Oh, I, I ball all the time. This one time, my, my youngest brother, um, so I was saying goodbye to them because they live in Burlington. So I was like, all right, bye. Mm-hmm. And we went to like dinner or something. And I was like, all right, bye. And as I was hugging him, he also has autism. Um, so as I was hugging him in his like little baby voice, he was like, you know, you're the, oh, you're the only one in the family that can deal with my anxieties. Okay, <gasps> bye. And then, and then I was like, oh, oh what? <laughs> You would just leave me like this? (laughs) Oh my God. What an amazing thing to hear from your little brother. I know. uh, Yes. And as uh, I was um, driving back to Toronto, I was just crying the entire time. I was going to say like, yeah. And then he just leaves you hanging like, okay, bye. See you you next dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, no, no, no. Like, it's almost like I could, I just, I picture you just standing there, like your mouth open, like eyes watering, being like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like just frozen. Like, am I supposed to drive? Yes, that was exactly what happened. Oh, Oh my God. That is, oh. This is when I knew my brother was proud of me, actually. Um, We were all, uh, I don't know, we were in some kind of party or something with other people. And my brother, you know, we, we were talking about us and then, and then they were talking to him about his life. And I, I don't know why, but he was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm doing great. But, but Isabel, Isabel is like doing such amazing stuff. And then, and then he just went on. And I was like, 
yeah, 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 yeah. But but he's doing amazing stuff too. But so it was just this like back and forth of like we're both doing amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone else is like yeah we get it you love each other you think highly of each other like this isn't a competition guys you both love each other how how much um how many years are between you and your two younger brothers um so I was 91 uh, or 1991 my younger brother is 94 and then my youngest brother is 95 and then my older brother brother is 9090 so 1990, 1991, 91, 94, 95. 94, 95. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so are all three of them in the Philippines right now? Yes. Oh, sorry. I, I shouldn't bring that up again, but I just no, no. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh. Okay. When we're done with this, we're going to make a FaceTime date or a park date or something. Anyway, we'll do this off recording, but I am 100% going to text you after this and be like, <laughs> hey, where? Yeah, we're going to figure out the logistics of this because. Yes. Yes. Oh and I think goodness. this is the perfect time because like, I, I, I don't know if you're busy or not, but you know what I've learned also through all of this about busy and stuff being, being busy. I always use the excuse before the like needing to self-isolate of, oh, well I could do things where I would feel less depleted if I just wasn't so busy, but I have to be busy. Like I was making excuses and during like this time, I still will be complaining to my therapist, like, I'm just so busy, I don't have time. And I literally stopped during a session one time. I was like, I'm sorry, how am I so busy? Like, I'm living at home, I'm stuck at home. No, I'm so busy because I'm doing this to myself. Like, I'm making myself so busy. Yep. I'm yep. I'm sure it's a survival thing. Like, I'm sure it's a weird coping mechanism that I've made for myself that just is not helpful and no longer needs to be there. So... Basically, I'm reevaluating my relationship with busyness. Is what hey, I totally understand because at one point, remember when I was burnt out? Yeah. Uh, I was burnt out because I was taking all these projects on and just like burning myself out because um, when the last time that happened, when I was stressed with busyness, with busyness um, mm-hmm. I found success. And so I just equated, okay, if I'm busy, I'm successful. But that's not the case. That is not the case at all. No, no. Because in that busyness, I'm still sitting around thinking of all the things I wish I could be doing that I'm not doing. Exactly, exactly. Even, (laughs) even. And, you know, yeah, I just, I really have to stop saying yes to things that I don't want to do because I'm afraid. Yep, yep. I really just got to, I just got to lean into what I have to do and have a little bit more faith. Yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because uh, no. most of the times anyway, when I say yes to something I don't want to do and mm-hmm. I do it, I'm like, why did I agree to do that? Yeah. So, it, it, and but we're always scared of the fear of missing out, but we got to think of the joy of missing out as well. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, if, the if joy of missing out. Yeah. If we're missing out, but we're doing something else, that's an amazing thing. Jomo we I need to do more Jomo yes yes like 100% you know what I think you've I think you've said joy of missing out to me before and I have never heard it before until you said it to me and I'm so glad that you're saying it again to me and I'm 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 being reminded of it because it absolutely is like I'm not 
I'm tricking myself into saying yes to these things, convincing myself like, but you're going to get this out of it. And like, if you say no, you're not going to be doing anything anyway. Like, why am I trying to convince myself to do something I don't want to do? Like, just don't do it. Yeah. Go do do shit you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to friend myself and pep talk myself in, <laughs> into this. Jomo, Amanda, Jomo. Yes, come on. Jomo. Just put it God. in big letters somewhere. Jomo, I'm going to write, I'm going to put a picture of your face right beside it and put Jomo <laughs> with your beautiful new haircut that I guess is not a new haircut anymore. It feels like time has yeah. passed, but nothing has passed, you know? Oh my God. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I feel the same way. No. No. <laughs> oh. Well, Isabel, this has been a dream. I just so enjoy talking to you every time I do. And thank you for gifting me with all of this generosity. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> I always love talking to you. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Liquid Courage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please help me out by leaving a rating or a comment on your Apple podcast app or on YouTube or wherever you might be listening from. And if you're like me and you have an awful memory or you just don't want to have to remember when the next episode comes out, hit that subscribe button and the newest episode will automatically download for you. Just like magic. I love it. <laughs> you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Liquid Courage Podcast. And if you're still listening, I want to remind you that a pandemic is still taking place. And I don't say that to be a buzzkill or to scare you, but to ask you to please, please continue or start wearing your mask when you're out of your house and around other people. We should be treating people how we want to be treated. And if you want to be safe and healthy, respect the health and safety of the people around you. Please. Thanks again for listening. It means the world to me. Stay safe and take care. Thank you.